What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate, and yes, you're listening to a B-side. Now, yes, we've introduced the purpose of a B-side before, but every episode, remember, guys, is someone's first episode. So for our new folks, B-sides are essentially shows we have in between our larger shows. These are much less structured and somehow even more lit, yes, even more lit than our regularly scheduled shows. Sometimes they're discussions that the hosts have internally that we share with you guys. Sometimes they are extended monologues. Or maybe they're a chat with a special guest. And guess what? Today, we have such a guest, Drew McFadden. Drew is the vice president of sales and marketing at the busiest website in human translation in the world. In addition to his professional work, Drew is passionate about anti-racism and social inequity, known in that domain as Drew and at Very White Guy. And I can confirm he's very white. He and his wife lead an organization called Interracial John, where they discuss pop culture, TV, movies, and current events from their unique perspectives as a very white guy and a mostly black woman. Drew, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm well. You set the bar. That intro set it very, very high. I feel. Uh, <laughs> I, feel I usually like to underpromise and overdeliver, and you've really you set it high. But I'll try. I'll try my best. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No problem, man. Um, so, so look. Recently, on the show, we've discussed the concept of allyship in corporate America. Yep. Were, were you able to check the episode out? And if so, what did you think about it? I did listen to the last episode, and forgive me, I can't remember the author uh, and the woman you had on as a guest. Uh, Amy, yeah, Amy, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I did listen to the episode. And I, I agree with almost everything Amy said. You know, she was pretty spot on. I thought it was a good episode. I, white anti-racist, myself included, have a, a history of being real kind of like condescending and holier than thou, uh, in particular with other white folks. You know, like woker than you is like a, <laughs> like you know what I'm talking about, like on yeah. Twitter. You'll see. Yeah. White kind of like piling on to like you know i'm the i'm the most woke and therefore this or that so <laughs> i really like what amy had to say and i think everything she said was really accurate but i do struggle a little bit and just again you you referenced the podcast that i have and i'm, I'm married to to leslie uh, and she goes on twitter as leslie mac and yeah. she's an actual activist and an organizer and has done some really amazing things and i you know i've seen her work you know commodified stolen outright taken twitter threads turned into articles in the new york post kind of thing like like i actually have seen that happen wow. so i somehow struggle with uh i don't say white folk making money on anti-racism work but there's a little bit of a <clears throat> like a call it like the ally industrial complex thing where uh and we white folk love education for education's sake and I, <laughs> i'm i myself am guilt i'm guilty of this right so there's a period where i you know was like oh my gosh and I want to learn and, and tell everyone else and I want to share this thing and I'm going to share that and I even on our own podcast I've asked what whose benefit is this for is this really what's it doing but I think Amy's doing you know like legitimate work within the corporate structure but I struggle a little bit with white folk becoming experts in some regard on, on anti-racism uh, you know inequity diversity whatever you want to call it and then profiting you know call it like the Tim Wise syndrome and that's a real privileged place for me to come from i i, I have a as you introduced i have a, a normal day job i do well I, I get paid i provide you know i'm in sales i bring in a lot of value and so i can say the the things that i do i don't need to make money with it but that's certainly not the case for most folks it's a it's a capitalistic world you got to make a living but I, I agreed with everything amy said in terms of white folk having to really sort of be responsible for dismantling systems of oppression and that maybe was the other uh, sometimes I, I struggle with 
the education for education's sake because there's often that that last step you know how does that lead to and I would ask Amy and I think you asked a lot of really pointed I was almost like worried I was like God Zach asked like some tough questions I hope <laughs> I hope I'm prepared but wh- where does the work that that any of us do lead to action in terms of dismantling systems of supremacy uh, and that's you know and I ask that myself and I don't always have the answer that, you know, that might have been where I was left wanting. No, I, I hear you. And I'm, I'm curious, actually, you know, what do you think about the term ally? Like, what do you think about that term? Because I know it's a it's a loaded word. Right. And a lot of people have various feelings about it. I'm curious how you feel about that word. I don't like it. I don't use it. I find it self-referential. If someone used it in regards to me, I'm not going to like be mad about it. Mm-hmm. I, I understand it more as a verb than as a noun but i think a lot of people like it as a noun um and i just think the the bar for what we like and and even again i was listening to the podcast and yet amy and i even you've got me on i'm thinking well why you know why i've got a twitter handle very white guy i've I've said a few things i think because i'm white you know people give me my voice has a little bit more quote-unquote cachet as an anti-racist individual there's not as many white dudes being actively anti-racist but um ally to me it's just the bar is so low it's so <laughs> low you know, like my, my wife tells the joke like two allies walked into a bar because it's so low uh, and that works for any you know two you know feminine male feminists walk into a bar because the bar was set so low uh so i don't i don't really like it um i don't i don't often use it um but if someone used it fine uh i think it it also it to me has this sort of connotation or of like finality right like oh i'm an ally and you know, i'm done Kinda like well, you know more to than just sort of saying you're ally or one person saying you're ally right. you know like, it's really what have i done what are my actions more than what label you know no absolutely i'm, I'm curious right so we talk about in the intro i talked a little bit about your your vp role of sales and you've alluded to the fact that you know you do well in the corporate space i'm curious before interracial john which we're going to get to in a minute can you talk to me about how you demonstrated or how you practiced anti-racist behaviors uh, in the workplace and i ask because when i look at your twitter feed very white guy check him out y'all very white guy the theme of your language is all around intentionality and action and you really alluded to it just now when you talked about the the term allyship and the concept of allyship so i'm curious what actions were you taking before you had the platform of interracial john to really demonstrate and i won't say allyship but uh support Mm. you know for for people of color that's a good question and i and i don't know if i've always succeeded you know i think uh as a as a white anti-racist individual it's a journey from you know indoctrinated to, to doing less harm and there's no terminal it's not like oh I'm, I'm finished i'm just trying to do less harm and uh and there's steps forward and steps back and certainly there's been jobs and work and, and opportunities that i've missed i'm sure um you know i think the when i think of allyship right and again this is i should give a lot of credence to my, my wife leslie mack I've, I've been married to her for 15 years so a lot of this maybe uh framing her language is coming from my learning from her direct to but but shifting dollars and resources you know i think my wife always says that that marginalized folks and communities they know what they need and they know how to solve their problems they just need you know access dollars resources 
so I, I try to do that, uh, and I don't always have, um, you know, I have like hiring authority at, at every job I've been at. Uh, I don't have the ability to say who does what, who gets on what committee, um, but where I do have some say. So there's a uh, an event I, I produce, and there's speakers, and we get folks online to to watch it and maybe thousands of people watch it but i was really proud that we had um and in the the language or translation it is there's a lot of women uh, tends to be uh heavily represented uh on the women's side and and relatively on the uh latinx side but i had mostly women of color uh, i think three or four black women as, as panelists and speakers uh, and those are active decisions on my part um I have a platform and an ability. I'm going to be compensating individuals. I'd, I'd rather it be be women, black women. I'm going to expose uh, folks, thousands of folks to be watching these panelists. I don't want it to be all white men. Um, I had another job where I did have some hiring authority, uh, and I would, you know, I was proud of the fact that I hired a few black candidates that did really well and, and stayed on. Yeah. Um, but uh, really, just shifting power and resources. You know, that could be. You're in a, a, I heard your your guest Amy and you're uh, you talking about this that you know the sort of women or a, a black person might say something and five minutes later a white person says the same thing and it's like oh my god the white person's a genius right. uh, you know say say something stand up you know support um, you know in different places they call it I think progressive stack uh, so I've done that in in meetings um, you know hey who, who we haven't heard from her you know this person hasn't spoken in a while. Um, I had a, a job interview and it, you know, I think, again, I, I talk about action because there should be risk. And that's why I sometimes question when white folks are making money, educating other white folks on how to be better. That just sort of rubs me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. But in terms of taking risks and doing things, I've, I've had vendors and in interviews where I've asked, you know, how many, how many black people do you have on staff? How, how diverse is your, you know, what's your corporate culture like? Uh, and that doesn't always go well, <laughs> you know. That doesn't. Um, that doesn't have. That I don't always have the answers I want to hear, um, you know. But I, I would say, what have I done? I tried to just be better. Tried to be a better individual and amplify and make sure uh, marginalized folks are, are. I think Amy even said it. If they're not in the room, um, do what you can to make sure their voices are represented. I try to get them in the room, uh, and just everywhere you can shift power and resources and it's funny that you say that because you know even when i think about living corporate right so like we're a startup you know when i think about when you talk about just power and resources it's like there are a lot of things that we we want to do and there are things that we have planned in the future and we have all these plans and like the main barrier at this point drew and not even barrier but the thing that would accelerate those things is just bread like we don't need a bunch of people telling us what to do of course we take you know, we'll take uh, feedback and coaching and all that kind of stuff. But my point is, you know, it's the it's the resources like we need the resources. And so I think that that applies to, to to your wife, to your wife. Leslie's point applies across the board, like plenty of black folks we have and just people of color in general, marginalized people. Plenty. There's plenty of visionaries and things like that because of the way that things are set up structurally and have been set up historically and systemically. The resources create a barrier. Um, yeah. So, so I'm curious, right? You know, we talked a little bit about interracial, John, in your intro, but can you talk more about it, what it is, its origin, and what it aims to achieve? Uh, yeah, and you, you said you were going to ask me that, and I, I kind of had to think because <laughs> it, <laughs> it was sort of we, we've been married now for over 15 years, and we've been together quite a bit. And it's, it's strange that our podcast is called The Interracial John because I don't think we think of our 
themselves interracially often. Like I don't think that defines us so much. But she's, I mean, she's a, a black woman and she works in liberation organizing. Uh, so I guess that is, you know, it's a, certainly a, it's a part of our our existence. But I don't think we think of it very often. But when we made the podcast, we were at the time we lived in Philadelphia and we lived there for a decade. And John is a just sort of like a, a, a an adjective that's used for in anything and yeah, everything. Yeah, you yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah. made its way down to Houston too. We say it down here from time to time. I do anyway. Sweet. I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I guess it's like uh, John J O H N or joint. Some people would use it right. honestly. But so we called the interracial John, and we don't. I don't even think talk that much about us being interracial um but we talk about a lot of different politics and we just started a podcast because we wanted to to do it and we talked a lot and we we'd sit around and just you know by ourselves chit-chatting and we said you know let's record it if somebody listens all right cool and for a bit it was really just a late and it still is a labor of love you do a podcast it's not exactly a millionaire's task you know? nice. <laughs> but uh we did it and people listened and you know, responded and subscribed and we said okay we'll keep doing it so we we enjoy it but it's really just sort of it's more for us and just sort of time to 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 unwind and chit chat and connect and talk about the news and stuff that's going on that's really cool man you know and shout out to leslie i think it's amazing that you know at every point in turn in this conversation you know you've referenced something that your wife has told you right so like shout out to black women in general sound man go ahead and put them air horns in here just for black women for leslie for sure but then black women in general so um, i'm curious what advice right now you talked about you said you know for you how the way that you practice again for lack of a better word allyship in the corporate spaces by just being better but what advice or resources would you point white men to in corporate America to be to be better uh, for everybody else? That's a good question. And I, and I don't know the answer to that. Maybe um, you referenced black women and Twitter has been a great resource. It's uh, relatively free. Certainly be aware that you're consuming folks and try to drop a, a dollar on their PayPal, Cashmere or, or Patreon if they have it. Um, but yeah, there's been, I would say, just about everything I know when it comes to uh, I was thinking again, I said, I don't like white folk being experts on race. Um, and someone's asked me, and I said, no, I'm not an expert on, on race. You've know, got the, the Malcolm Gladwell is like the 10,000 hour theory. Uh, you know, you've lived your entire life as a black individual in a white supremacist society. That's t- more than 10,000 hours. Yeah. You're well an expert. When you say, hey, that's racist. You know, so listen and believe black folk, amplify black folk. But um, you know, I'm not an expert on that at all. The only thing I know is sort of my journey on how I've sort of learned to be less harmful, I guess. Yeah. And, and it, you know, this is all stuff that's on Twitter and, and smarter. Um, you know, usually black women, like you said, have, have written about this. Um, but you know, it took me a while to just sort of learn not just what people are saying but to process it a little bit differently so like i guess we've all if you're if you've been in this work at all for even a minute and you're a white dude you've heard shut up you know sit down <laughs> shut up don't take the space and and i knew that and I, enough people had said it to me that i'd i'd go to you know we have uh, i live you know, we live in philadelphia there was a great group that's i think still around real justice um philadelphia but so we go to meetings there's hundreds of people there and of course i'm not going to say a word just sit down I'm not going to say anything be quiet and I've been to many of these meetings and I again I, I, I understand fundamentally to be quiet and not take up space 
But my mind would keep kind of rolling. It'd be thinking, oh, what about this? What about that? What about this? And there might have been, I can't remember the exact instance, but there was finally something where, again, my wife was like, you know, made fun of me like, okay, very white guy. Like, they don't need your help, you know. (laughs) And it was like all, you know, joking and sarcastic. But I was like, oh, my God, like, she's really right. So the concept of sit down, be quiet, don't take up space. I understood it differently over a period of time. My different understanding was, oh, I, I, I'm a neophyte. I don't really know anything. I need to really just sit down and absorb and, and, and really process. And if I'm thinking of things, and that's, a, again, as a, as a white dude, the world has told me, as a white man, my opinion is valued, it's needed, it's necessary, my two cents are, are desired, and I can solve it. And, 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 I, and you asked about, you know, how I ship corporate world, so on. I remember, not like embarrassed, but I've, I've been in a, a room full of people. I've pounded my fist on a desk and raised my voice and gotten what I wanted and things mm-hmm. done. And that that modality is like a it's like a a sock that you've worn your whole life, a glove that fits seamlessly. It just it's real easy. So to to not be a cisgendered heterosexual white male that raises his voice and you know reverts to angry white dude to get what he wants, that takes vigilance you know it's kind of like actively not trying to be a horrible person Uh, you just you slip into it so easily so i would say as a white man be just be aware you know understand like just understand conditioned fragility and and defensiveness you know i think it's a lot easier understand how to apologize know that you're going to mess up um and be prepared you know it's I've messed up plenty. I'm not, again, I'm trying, don't mess up. (laughs) Don't go out trying to spin it. But like many people are willing to forgive and stay in community with me after a mistake, but very few would be willing to remain in community if I made a mistake and then spent an hour being defensive and fragile about it. You know, like, I didn't mean it that way. I'm so sorry. I wasn't trying to be raining. So like, I would just say to other, you know, especially white dudes, we're going to mess up. You know, the world's catered to us for a long time. Uh, so sit down, listen, be quiet. And when you mess up, know, you know, acknowledge it, accept it, know how to apologize. I'm sorry, I'll do better. <laughs> that goes a long way. Those like, those three little things will get you really far. Man, man, you, you ain't lying because I, I have, you know, I have some white male friends. And when they practice those things, they just apologize. And we're friends like we we're those are my closest friends. Right. And because they practice those behaviors that you're talking about. We continue to be friends and actually our relationship gets better after every mess up. And, you know, I'm there with you. I'm curious, you know, before we wrap, do you have any any shout outs or any pardon words? It's been a dope conversation. I want to make sure anything else you'd like to say or anybody you'd like to thank or just shout out in general. man. Oh, thank you for this opportunity and having me on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, as I said, the real deal in the household is my wife leslie mack and uh, she's on twitter you can follow her at leslie mack she's got a patreon um so you can support her that way and we've got a, a podcast interracial john and that's j-a-w-n uh we don't tweet much but uh would love to have you listen to the show and follow us but uh to your, to your last point let me my little follow-up to your comment i really I, I, I have individuals in my life uh that i'm accountable to both white and black and when i mess up and they say hey you know what this this came off wrong or i think this was framed a certain way man that's like a gift you know not only have i learned not to get fragile and defensive about it but it, you know, i have to think like wow they're, they 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 care enough about me as a person 
that they're going to a let me know and b give me an opportunity to do better right like if i really don't like you and you mess up and be like get out of here whatever but if i'm in a relationship with like hey you know what what you did let me pull you aside and really kind of so if you win when you get called in called out whichever it is accept it as a gift because it really is it, it, honest to goodness it really truly is it's a it's a it's a gift to be able to to learn how to be a better person and not enough people are willing to uh receive that gift in the proper way so be be, be better white dudes me included <laughs> Man, this has been awesome. Look, that does it for us, guys. Thank you for joining us on the Living Corporate Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Living Corporate, Twitter at Living Corp underscore pod, and subscribe to our newsletter through www.living-corporate.com. Check us out on Patreon at Living Corporate. If you have a question you'd like for us to answer and read on the show, make sure you email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. This has been Zach, and you've been talking to Drew, a.k.a. at Very White Guy. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin from Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.